Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the Long Beach 30, a weekly podcast brought to you for the last time by the Long Beach Post and the 562.org. I'm your host, Mike Gardabasio, joined as always by the Santa Ana Winds, J.J. Fiddler. It's the dry ones. The, the dry ones are the, the bad ones. <laughs> Each week in just 30 minutes, we've been bringing you the best news, politics, and entertainment stories from the city where we're all going down to 2nd Street to watch Game 5. Go Blue! Uh, we've been told this is it. This is our last show we're doing uh, here for the Post, so I'm not going to tell you to go subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I'm <laughs> not going to tell you to go to Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you you can leave us a five-star review if Do you it. want to, but there's there's not really that much of a point. Uh, we will be joined a little bit later uh, by Jeremiah Dobrook, who I, I was actually really interested to talk to about false alarms and the security culture, the lockdown culture that we're all living in now. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that and more after the break here on the Long Beach 30. Naples Rib Company, the sponsor of everything at the562.org, sponsor of these podcasts, will still be the sponsor of What Up Long Beach, our sports podcast, after this one is done. And you know why? It's just because they're the best darn ribs in Long Beach. Get down there to Naples Rib Company on Naples Island. Do lunch. Do dinner. Do a party. Go to the bar and watch the game. Naples Rib Company has it all, and it's the best darn ribs in the city. Did I say that already? We'll probably say it again. Naples Rib Company. Go down there and tell them the 562.org sent you. All right, we're going to start by taking a look at the top news stories from around the city. Uh, Number one story, the Long Beach Post has a terrific uh, candidate comparison tool up on their website. Our guy, Dennis Dean, uh, designed that for them. Um, It lets you get a good sense of where all the different candidates for the first district city council race stand on the different issues. Um, we were that uh, election will be November 5th. We were planning a little bit of an election preview, but we're not going to be able to get to it. Uh, so definitely go to lbpost.com. Check that out. They've got features up on all the different candidates as well as this kind of candidate comparison tool. Uh, and it's all all worth your time. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. We talk a lot about why local journalism is important at the 562.org and also Long Beach Post and Long Beach Post doing stuff like this. We can talk about all the different things. You know, uh, you know, lockdown stuff that that you were talking about earlier that you'll be talking about with Jeremiah, Uh, health and human services. All of these things are important. But I think the most important thing for a local journalism outlet to do is to give as much, if not all the information on candidates. Yeah, 100 percent. And you can't find this anywhere else. Doing it right and making it fair and balanced is the most important thing. And Long Beach Post does that each time. And it's incredibly impressive, and it's incredibly important. So yeah. make sure you get to that. Share it with your friends. Let people know that local journalism is giving you the information you need to be a good citizen in this city. 100%. Uh, story number two. Boy, this is the craziest story this week for sure. Uh, did you see the video of the crane in North Long Beach falling over? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. It was up there uh, putting in, uh, it looked like putting in new uh, a new telephone pole. We call them telephone poles. We need a better name for that because they're just poles that hold power lines. Right. Now. They don't carry telephone They don't carry anymore. telephones. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the crane tipped over, landed on a guy's house. And uh, did, you, did you see ABC had an interview with this guy? He's a pastor at the New City Church in North Long Beach. And he like got hit. It fell on his, on his porch. And he got hit by some of the debris from his porch, like, Dang. collapsing on, like, the back of his neck. And all I can say, JJ, is if you're in North Long Beach and you're a church-going folk, I highly suggest you get to New City Church this Sunday because I bet you're going to get 
an absolute firecracker of a sermon. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> he said, like, in his interview, he just said, you know, the woman was asking him, she's like, so how are you feeling? And he's like, I'm just, you know, it just really reiterates that we're not in control of anything. And I was like, dang, I might need to go to church. For real. You know? <laughs> For real. <laughs> Is it just me? And I don't know if anybody else saw this. Don't those trucks usually have the extra legs it that did come have out of the, the side? Legs. It did, and it still tipped over? Yeah, I think the legs what? buckled or something. I don't know. That's that's why they're there. <laughs> they're going to investigate what happened. Obviously, I'm guessing it must have been overextended or something. Cranes obviously aren't meant to tip over. That's why they have those extra legs. But yeah, right. if you if you look at the video, you can see the extra leg going up into the air with the rest what of it. What the heck? All right. I don't know. Well. Physical wonders never cease. It's not, it's not the way they drew it up, for sure. Um, okay, if white smoke means there's a new pope, what does yellow smoke mean? That's my question. There's a new landfill? Or? Yeah, poison <laughs> is what that means. Uh, the, uh, the AES power plant near Long Beach's marina uh, has fired up its generators, its new generators, causing yellow smoke to be emitted from the smokestacks, fire officials said. This is a story up at lbpost.com by Stephanie Rivera. Um, this is the other thing that local journalism is very important for. A- apparently, everyone has been seeing this smoke and has been calling in going, what the heck is happening at the power plant? Apparently, it's like very normal for it to be emitted, a regular product of combustion when firing up generators for the first time, and not more poisonous than any of the other emissions that come out of power plants. Which are also but, poisonous. <laughs> which are uh, obviously things we're trying to get away from. But um, yes, so anyway... It's safe, and I do think that is one of the most important things that local journalism can do is, like, stop people from freaking out <laughs> when they're when it looks like there might be cause That's to. Safe in quotes. Story for sure. number four, uh, something we all should be freaking out about. The Post has been working on this for quite some time. Uh, the Queen Mary, operator in danger of defaulting on lease due to maintenance problems, according to a letter sent by the city of Long Beach. Um, you and I have talked about this. We are both very much in favor of saving the Queen Mary, um, and you can go check that out at the post. They've got the full letter as well as uh, great detailed coverage from Kelly Puente and Melissa Evans about the history of what's been going on. We've talked about it probably 20 times on the 80-something episodes we've done of this show. But a um, lot, uh, lot of back and forth, obviously, over the Queen Mary and what's going to happen with that in the future. I know everybody makes the parallel to Titanic, so I'm not going out on a limb here. But I always think when we're doing these stories, talking about the fact that, you know, it's a ship. It's in the water. It will deteriorate. It needs to be upkept and all that other stuff. I always think of that scene in Titanic where they're standing in the living room or whatever, and the designer of the boat is basically explaining to them that as these hulls fill up with water, the sink will ship or the uh, right, ship will right. sink. And he says, "She will flounder." Yeah. And I don't know why I just hear that Liverpoolian "She will flounder" <laughs> in my head every time I look at the Queen Mary. Ships are not supposed to float forever, you guys. It's just never happened, and it never will happen. So they're either going to have to find a way to, I don't know, take the water out of the situation and, like, put it on the ground? Or they're going to have to spend quite a lot of money to turn it into a new boat. Those are the only two options. Those are your only two options. So we could be seeing the end of the Queen Mary. And and if that's the case, it's very sad, I think. Uh, It's it's an incredible landmark and, and so rich in history and stories from... You know, not just Long Beach, but other places in America and other places in the world. And I think it's really cool that it's in this city and I want it to be here forever. But obviously, physics decide that something has to change. It can't keep going on like this. 
Okay. Um, she gonna, will flounder. I'm going to be talking about this more with uh, Jeremiah Dobrik when we come back from the break. But um, obviously the uh, lockdown at Cal State Long Beach as well as the, um, the – is one of many stories that's kind of part of this thread, and that's what I want to talk about with you. Number one, um, really bizarre turn on the lockdown at Long Beach State where you saw um, – it turned out that the person they initially arrested – had her email hacked by a guy, and she did not know that her email had been hacked. So this dude used her email to send a threatening message. As it turns out, the guy who did it did not have access to firearms. It was not a serious threat. It seems to have kind of been like a, maybe a prank that he was trying to pull, um, but obviously a prank that will have some fairly serious uh, consequences. Rightfully so. Um, so that was sort of like story number one. There was, uh, I wouldn't say panic, but there was obviously quite a lot of concern at Long Beach State over the fact that I think when they got the lockdown order, a lot of people realized they were in classrooms that they couldn't... They don't lock. They couldn't lock down. They don't lock yeah. from the inside. So, I don't know. I mean, that's something they're going to have to address, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be now that it's... Those things always get addressed pretty quickly when they come up. Do Remember you know what a I mean? couple months ago, you were t- we were talking about how they were doing the live shooter drills <laughs> at Long Beach State? Yep. I would have hoped something like this came up during those drills. Well, that was... It. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue. That was a drill for law enforcement. So it was not done. It wasn't like a... See, that's but like... If you're a law enforcement doing a drill on campus, wouldn't you then, after the drill, say, hey, guess what? No, These but, doors don't lock from the inside. But think of it like this. When they do a fire drill at a high school, it's a fire drill for everyone. They call the fire department. The fire department knows that it's scheduled, obviously. Yeah. But the fire department is testing their ability to arrive and check that everyone's good. Right. But it's also practice for the teachers and the students. Yes. Who find out, okay, what, do we know where we're going? Um, do we know who's going to be responsible for making sure everyone's out of the room, et cetera, et cetera? And the, the, the education they did, the test they did over the active shooter threat at Long Beach State was for law enforcement. It, was not, it did not happen at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday when the class was in session or something like that. Nobody tried to open to a door? <laughs> well, I mean... Do you that, know what I'm saying? I know what you're, you're saying. You're moving about the cabin. You're on campus. <laughs> you are a law enforcement professional going through right. a drill to prepare yourself for basically this exact situation. Nobody tried to jiggle a handle? I don't know. But they, I, they, they claim that they're going through some $500,000 renovation that includes doors to, that walk. Yeah, for sure. Well, but so that's a strange way to have to announce it after a, a you friend know, of ours doesn't who's work. A, a friend of ours who's a professor at, uh, at Fullerton actually said they have already retrofitted their campus to where every building, every room has a button in it. And when you press the button, so you don't even have to like go to the door. When you right. press the button, everything locks, right? right? And yeah, I would assume we'll see the same system at Long Beach State pretty quickly. All we're doing is basically changing everything into Mr. Burns' office. I mean, basically, yeah. You know, I mean, Buttons this to is... close the door, trap door, and, again, and release I, the right. hounds. Well, so the other thing is, and I, I, uh, I had a, the conversation with Jeremiah about it that you'll hear after we come back from the break, but like, this is also just going to become more and more common, right? These kinds of, like, the, the false alarms that it's like, as it turns out, there was not an actual threat, but they did this... You and I talked about this last year on the show. Someone had written in on the whiteboard at Long Beach State, you know, that they were going to do something. And then um, students weren't happy with the fact that they that the campus wasn't shut down, that it wasn't locked down, that they weren't notified. Right. University police said we looked into it and it wasn't a credible threat. But this is sort of that like tension of where is the balance between taking enough interest in these things, but not living on, you know, panic alert all the time. And this ties into the other two stories I wanted to bring up very briefly. Um, There was a little bit of a panic at the town center on Saturday night when basically it sounds like 
a dude was standing at the front of the theater looking around trying to find his friends or something. And everyone said, oh, my God. Right. Is this dude here to shoot the theater up or whatever? So people like fled out of the um, fled out of the theater, you know, all these uh, all these other issues. And as it turns out, yeah, like and I, I mentioned I mentioned I made a joke about it on Twitter. I met a bunch of our friends to go see the Joker and I got there first. So I was standing there in the middle of the lobby looking at my yeah. phone and then looking around. And for sure, the dude came over and was like, are you OK? And I was like, oh, right, because I'm a white guy with a beard and glasses standing yeah. by myself on the weekend that the FBI said everyone needs to be alert, right? Like, we're just going to have to figure out what this looks like going forward. And I don't know. No one has an answer to that. That's spoiler alert. The point of the interview with Jeremiah, no one has an answer. Um, but there is one other thing. Uh, th- this also came up. Um, a guy was arrested, a former Cabrillo student, who actually had read about the thing that was written on the whiteboard. And this guy uh, has autism. He's developmentally disabled. He has uh, troubles communicating. So he sent an email to Cabrillo trying to warn his former teachers and students that there was a, sh- a shooting threat. But the way that he worded that was in his email, it says there is a gunfire that is about to happen. Right. And so they obviously, the police investigated that. They ended up arresting him. Um, and fortunately, one of his former teachers at Cabrillo really advocated for him and like went way above and beyond the call of duty, as obviously teachers often do, to say, no, 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 no. This, he has trouble communicating. I know this kid. This not he wouldn't make a threat like right. this. Unfortunately, you know he ended up. Uh, he's not in jail anymore. But like that's the thing we're gonna have to figure out as a society is like how do we build that security infrastructure and not have it catch up all these people that shouldn't be in it. The only way you find balance is by continuing to put things on the scale. These moments, these situations, the way we deal with them, it's just precedent. It's just like the law. Like things happen, and then after that, you base your decisions on the things that have happened before. We right. all just have to be we're patient. We're going to all figure it out together. Yes, patience and vigilance will win the day. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have my interview with Jeremiah. This is not the only podcast that we do here. Our partnership with Long Beach Post continues. We do our weekly sports podcast called What Up Long Beach. Every week we do our Oh the Week segment with our lists, our questions, our players, our games, Oh the Week. And also this week we're talking to our guy, Jason Ruiz, about a very forgettable sports weekend. He's had a few recently. That's What Up Long Beach, available wherever you find your fine podcasts. All right, we're joined by Jeremiah Dobrook, who has the, the honor of being the last guest on the Long Beach 30. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Mike. Thanks for having me one last time. Um, so you, you had a couple of tweets that I thought were really interesting, and I just kind of wanted to talk through this with you. But um, there had been – it's obviously been a lockdown-heavy week in Long Beach. Um, we had the threat uh, at Long Beach State that we talked about with the issues with the doors not locking and everything else. But um, there was sort of also some false alarm stories. There was this, um, you know, former Cabrillo student who'd been arrested over an email that was meant to be a warning, but because he had developmental disabilities, it was, you know, not worded correctly. Um, And then there was uh, at the town center at a screening of the Joker, um, people kind of fleeing in panic from what turned out to basically be a guy looking for a seat, it sounds like. Um, So, you know, what are you, you're you're a breaking news reporter. You're the one who covers the stories when these are real threats and when bad things happen. I mean, what, what's sort of your thought on where we're moving as a society on these issues? 
You know, it's it's funny. We I feel like we need to hire a reporter full time just to cover these th- threats or perceived <laughs> threats. We had we had literally another one this morning where uh, somebody had graffitied the wall at Mayfair High School over in Lakewood, saying, you know, I'm going to bring a gun to school. And um, it, actually, I think this one was pretty indicative of of. There's kind of a fatigue about these. We've had so many in the past couple weeks that uh, you you don't know whether to take them seriously. You don't know whether to let them change the way you're living your life. Like at Cal State Long Beach, there was a massive lockdown um, where people were panicking. People were barricading doors. um, And it turned out to be nothing. It turned out to be someone who, well, police are saying it turned out to be someone who had used somebody else's email to send off a a quick email saying, I'm going to shoot up the school. And he didn't have any means or ability to do that. But then, of course, there's other situations where something could have happened, where recently one of our biggest stories lately was uh, a a disgruntled worker at uh, the Marriott in Long Beach who had a stash of guns at home and he was showing a coworker, allegedly showing a coworker, pictures of these guns, describing in detail how he was going to come back and shoot up his work because he was angry. So th- those are two very different situations, but they start the same way with someone saying, this guy made a threat or I feel threatened. And I, I, it just raises the question, how do you go about your life when you're bombarded by these. We've had so many recently. I, I don't know how you react or whether you should react or, or how you should even take these in. I think that's something everybody's dealing with right now. Yeah, because I think from the perspective of if you're the police, if you're Cal State Long Beach or whatever, I mean, very clearly the direction that everyone is, the direction that the public is telling you is, no, 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 no. We want you to freak <laughs> Like, we want you to go and do the full retinue when this stuff comes up. Like, specifically with the Cal State Long Beach thing, last year, someone had written on a whiteboard in the university student union bathroom that they were going to do something on the campus. And the school, you know, the police, f- from what they said, they investigated, they found there was an incredible threat. But the students were really upset that the campus wasn't shut down, that they didn't get a beach alert over it, um, that they didn't go into lockdown, which are the things that happened this week over similarly something that seems to have been um, someone writing stuff they obviously shouldn't have been writing or whatever. But I, I just I think if you're in charge of one of these organizations, like you almost probably have to feel kind of like beholden to going to those those lengths or whatever, right? But it, it's what you said then. I mean, especially knowing you know, what some kid's doing with graffiti at Mayfair or someone's going to write on a blackboard, like, okay, cool, like, I, I don't want to take this test today, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this button that's that's easier and easier to push every day. I just, I, you don't have the answer to this, I don't have the answer to this, but I don't know where the middle ground on that is for us as a, as a society, you know what I mean? I think it creates a real damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for law enforcement where they can... If, if they don't do the whole lockdown process, there is a possibility this is real. This stuff does happen. But if they do take it super seriously, there's actually a great example of, of a situation that where this may have gotten out of hand. Um, there was a, a, a former student at uh, Cabrillo High School who... This was a, a separate threat back at Cal State Long Beach from a few months ago where someone also was was writing in a bathroom stall about how there was going to be a shooting that turned out to be nothing. Um, but this student, this former student at Cabrillo, uh, who has autism, saw this threat and felt the need to warn his former classmates and teachers at Cabrillo High School. This obviously was 
a little taken out of context. He probably didn't need to do this, but for whatever, whatever reason, uh, maybe his disability played into this, he felt the need to warn them, and he sent them an email and said something like, there's going to be gunfire at campus. Um, the problem was that was taken as a threat. That email was interpreted by at least one person who got it to be someone threatening violence at Cabrillo. And this this 20-year-old man who has a lot of difficulty communicating ended up being arrested, spent a night in jail, and actually charged with a felony for sending this email before uh, some of his, uh, his former uh, instructors at Cabrillo rallied around him and basically explained to police how this email had been misinterpreted and the charges were finally dropped. But there seems like there has to be a middle ground between that and doing nothing. Yeah, and I have literally no idea what the what the, <laughs> what that middle ground looks like. But yeah, that I, I mean, I read that story and I, I was um, I got kind of emotional reading the story because I thought I know that not every high school has a staff like that, right? That is going to and I you know I happen to know some of the people that were involved in the story. Um, and if they hadn't gone kind of above and beyond, right? I mean, who knows whether who knows what's going on with this guy's life? And that's the problem, obviously completely separate from all this stuff is that because of the way our, our criminal justice system is, being accidentally kind of swept up in the street sweeper of it can have like lifelong consequences, obviously, you know? Um, so fortunately for him, he had the staff that was looking out for him and everything, but that's not the case for everyone. That's then that was the encouraging part of, of that story. If there's a, if there's a bright spot in all of this, it's that um, there was uh, one particular staff member at Cabrillo who had worked with this kid or man when he was a kid at Cabrillo, um, saw what happened, understood that this email was not meant as a threat, and he she advocated for him. Uh, on behalf of his family who, uh, you know, the English is their second language. They weren't as well positioned to speak with the criminal justice system. And she, I mean, he's graduating now from Cabrillo. She works at Cabrillo. She had no obligation right. to step out for this kid. But because she cared, she did. And I think maybe that's part of the answer. It certainly doesn't solve everything. But the fact that she was outspoken and in communication, understood the situation, advocated for him, certainly, certainly made a huge difference in this kid's life. So you mentioned middle ground. I think the closest thing we can talk about to a middle ground, but that also sort of highlights the impossibility of trying to remain there permanently, is last year the Long Beach School Board, under enormous pressure from the parents in the school district, um, approved, a, a, they, they voted to secure all of the schools in the district, which means that they're all fenced in, um, and at all hours of the day, there's a, you know, one way in, one way out, everyone's got a buzz in kind of a thing. Whether you are a high school with 5,000 kids or you're an elementary school with a couple hundred kids, you know, whatever, like that's what the parents overwhelmingly wanted. And the superintendent, Chris Steinhauser, said, like at the school board meeting, he goes, because you know, we covered it, he goes, uh, I really don't want to do this because I walk by Mini Gant in my elementary school all the time, and I know that people play football there, and I know that people play basketball there on the weekends. And the thing about fences and liability is if we put them up, we can't, when someone's leaving the school on Friday, leave the gate open, right? Like, <laughs> that's not how it works. And so now you get, I think, the first real pushback that he sort of anticipated with those comments. Um, Jason Ruiz here has done uh, great stories about what's going on at Fremont Elementary, that the parents there are saying exactly what the superintendent did. This is basically our park in the neighborhood. We don't have a park. There's a playground here. There's grass, and we've been using it. And the school district's essentially saying, like, yeah, but this is what everyone wanted, right? And so it's, again, that, like, 
you would say maybe just doing a, a permanent upgrade like the facilities could be that middle ground where you're like, okay, we're going to make the schools harder to get into and out of. But then you still have that thing of everyone wants to raise their kids in a society that feels, you know, comfortable and safe and open. But you also then want them protected, you know, really vigorously when you feel like there's a threat or something. So I don't know, you know, fix it, I guess. <laughs> I think the, the, the real question is, how much do we change our lives and the way we function to make ourselves safer before it feels like we're giving in to the fear or terror that some of these mass shootings are, are intended to inspire? And I don't think that's an answerable question. I don't think it's answerable now. I don't think it will be answerable anytime soon. But it does seem like I would say I have some sympathy for these organizations, whether it's the school district or Cal State Long Beach or whatever. That's just like, I don't know, man, like the, it feels like the world changed overnight a little bit. And they're kind of like, well, what do we do? Do you want us to put metal detectors everywhere? Or then you're going to complain that that makes you feel like you're in a prison, which obviously it would make you feel. You know what I mean? I'm glad people who are paid a lot more money than I am are the ones who have to figure this out. <laughs> well said, uh, Jeremiah. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Our thanks to Jeremiah for joining us. Uh, we're going to close our last ever episode of the Long Beach 30 uh, with the Long Beach Soapbox. It's just a chance for us to uh, rant and rave a little bit. What do, what do you got this week, Jage? If this is the last time we get to do this, I wanted to make sure that it was the number one thing that I've always thought about when I think, oh, if we could just change this, if we could just do this, we could just do that, right? The number one thing that I would want everyone to know for sure is that this is a big city <laughs> and it has big city problems. It has big city uh, amenities and it has big city issues. And the sooner the entire city of Long Beach, and I'm talking from, you know, Bixby Knowles to Belmont Shore, as soon as we all realize that that's the case, the small issues that we have, like the road diet on Broadway, oh, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> there are bigger and more important things going on. And once we all get it yeah, in our like head. It's like solve homelessness, maybe. Yeah, you know? You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> once we all get it in our head that we are a big city and we treat ourselves as such, things will immediately start to get better. That is all. I like that. Uh, mine is, uh, this is not a Long Beach issue, but I am in Long Beach, so I'm making it a Long Beach issue. Uh, I have, over the last couple years, become, I would say, a bigger NBA fan than an NFL fan. And this is someone who's a diehard football fan, still love football, still watch a fair amount of football. But one of the reasons for that is that you and I cover primarily athletes, right? And I would consider myself to be an athlete first sports fan. I, the, I root for people over teams. And one of the things that I've loved is that the NBA has empowered the people in its league to speak their mind. I know there's some people that bothers. The NBA is more popular than it's been in quite some time, so it doesn't seem to bother most people. But I was, I've been really disappointed on a fairly deep level by the NBA's response to um, – uh, Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeting out that he stood uh, in support with pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong who've been, uh, you know, if you've been on Twitter, you've probably seen the videos, who've been brutalized by the police forces um, in China. And the NBA's response, uh, number one, was to make Daryl Morey apologize for saying that he stood <laughs> in solidarity with pro-democracy uh, protesters. Um, now China's still mad at the NBA for not going far enough and like firing him or issuing a formal apology uh, themselves. 
And, you know, I just want to say there's a South Park episode out about this, whatever. Like, a lot, a lot of people are talking about um, this issue as a whole. And I would just say this. If you're going to walk the walk, you got to walk the walk. I mean, you can't say we're going to criticize uh, the president. We're going to be – we're going to criticize our gun laws. But if someone wants to say that people should be able to protest – without being beaten by police, we're going to force them to apologize for that comment. So that we can have games in their country. So that we can make, continue to make billions of dollars over there. I mean, it's got to, either it's about money, and that's what it's about, or it's about allowing people to say things when they're the right things. And maybe, again, Yao Ming's an NBA player, a former NBA player. It's not, for the Rockets. Right. It's not about, it's not about censoring people uh, in either direction, but allow people to have their say if that's what you're promoting yourself as as a league which obviously uh, the NBA has been doing. I totally agree. Going to find it very difficult to not root for the Rockets this year with Long Beach's own Russell Westbrook <laughs> and now Morey getting out here on uh, on the social yeah, tip like he sure. has been. Big fan of this guy. Keep for doing sure. what you're doing, well, Daryl. And I was really bummed out to see Steve Kerr's comment. Steve Kerr, who I like genuinely one of the few people in sports I would say I look up to, Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. If you know the background of what he's been through in his life and the even-keeled well-thought-out responses he's had to a lot of social issues. For him to not be able to say, yeah, I think it's wrong for the NBA to censor <laughs> Daryl Morey because clearly everyone's so concerned about this financial ties in China, yeah. uh, I just I think it's a bad look for everybody. And you're still going to lose the money from China now. But you've compromised your right your your beliefs on uh, expression. And yeah, when else. you sacrifice your values for corporate values, you know you're going the wrong way. Everyone's doing it to some extent or another. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the Long Beach 30 the last year and a half. We appreciate all the love we've gotten uh, from so many of you guys. JJ and I obviously are sports writers. That's what we do. That's what we love. That's what we're best at. But um, to be able to build a genuine, you know, following of thousands of people for us doing this news show, uh, it's been very special for us. Uh, It's been very special for me. I certainly like to think of myself as more than just a sports writer. And uh, it's been great to get to help educate people. I've heard from a lot of people, especially in their 20s, it's like, I don't really read news that often, yeah. but I listen to a lot of podcasts, and it's nice to have heard this stuff broken and, and down. You, and you've organized this show, and more specifically, the interviews with the writers here at Long Beach Post, and I think that, uh, like we said at the top of the show, how important local journalism is, well, that means local journalists, and we hope that this show has done that, has given you uh, a look behind the curtain of the people who give you your news. And Mike, you've done a really great job of, uh, of opening that window so that people can see who's really, uh, who's really providing it. Well, thanks, buddy. That was certainly the goal. I appreciate you uh, joining me on uh, one of the more, I wouldn't say random, but certainly unique things we've <laughs> embarked on over our 13 years of working together. Look uh, back. 2008, 2009, you and I are standing <laughs> next to your kitchen counter yeah. with our uh, with our MacBooks open, with the inborn mic humming, <laughs> recording that original Sports Night podcast. Right. And here we are. It's pretty crazy, man. If uh, you've been enjoying this show and you'd like to make sure you're getting more stuff from JJ and I, we are still doing a sports show for The Post. You can search What Up Long Beach, as JJ mentioned, that will still continue to come out every week. Uh, Our thanks to The Post for having us. It's been a blast the last uh, year and a half. We really enjoyed it. Thanks to them for the opportunity. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, and uh, given us, uh, you know, we don't want to just talk to each other about the news. That's what we do all day. It's nice to do it for other people, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks so much. 